Chicken, chicken, yeah, fake ID. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. This is episode 165, and thank you guys so much for joining us for the movie discussion. Before we dive into it, we must first go around and meet the fellow bros, and we begin in the lab with the mad scientist Brian Banner. Now, Banner. Roughly speaking, how many beers do you usually consume between Halloween and Christmas each year? You usually all of it. My favorite beers are Oktoberfest, Pumpkin Beer, and Shiner Cheer. That is middle to late September, all the way through January. I save I save a couple of uh, Shiner Cheers though and have them uh, around March time. You gotta, you gotta string that out. Not too long, though. I saw, and Geiger had kind of prepared me for this, but for the first time this season at my grocery store this past week, the first Shiner Cheer was out, oh. and it was it got me in the fucking mood, let me just oh, say. I've got a six-pack waiting. Now, um, unfortunately, I refuse to do anything Christmas uh, before Thanksgiving, and Shiner Cheer is the exception, but I cannot have it before Halloween. So yeah, that's you better believe... November 1st comes around. We're having about five of them. There's a line in the sand that we don't cross. Never. That's one of them. Never, as Michael Caine would say. And I actually wanted to buy the Shiner's here, but the state that I live in on Sundays, you can't buy alcohol before noon. And it was like 11 o'clock. I thought about just hanging out there for an hour. That's not true. I think they changed it. I think it's 10 a.m. now. Is it really? They changed it. I don't know if it's in effect yet, but they did change it. All right, well, praise Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that voice is our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. Now, Geiger, as a father with a young child, this Black Friday shopping this year, let's say you were to run into someone at the store who grabs the last of a gift that you had promised your son. What would the appropriate response be if that person said to you, quote, suck my dick, end quote? Jeff, that's cute. I, I guess you drove your horse and buggy to the pod, too. Everything's done online now, bro. So if somebody gets it before online, then you just basically can say whatever the fuck you want because it's a free goddamn country and no one can um, basically kick you off the platform for it. So that's when you get on an online fight with a total stranger that you don't know and then make fun of the way they look, even though there's only one profile pic and you can only see from the neck up. Is anyone braver on the internet than like a middle-aged man or woman with nothing to lose? No. No. <laughs> well, what's the South Park Skank Hunt 49? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the greatest ones ever. Randy just cuz once you get to be a dad, you're like, "You know what? That actually sounds kind of fun. At least you get an hour of peace on the computer and, he, and you can just He give turns all shit. the lights off, turns on his computer, pours himself a big glass of red wine and just goes on message boards and Absolutely. It's great. Oh, God. That, like, review he writes about the Applebee's where he goes, it's like the fucking Iliad that he writes, and then at the very end, he's like, but no street parking, two out of five stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the restaurant's fault, but that's crowded. I right, will uh, here on the Bro 4 Squad podcast, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is, of course, chest day. And... The timing of this episode should be around early November as you're listening to it. It's really in between me personally, my two favorite times for movies. But I think on the pod, our favorite is kind of around the holidays, right? Christmas time. Yeah. 
So we thought this would be a great opportunity to sort of give you our double bill or our watch list suggestions as to movies to watch uh, maybe towards the end of Halloween, if you're still kind of in the spooky mood, but then also starting off the Christmas and holiday season. Because even though it might be a little early to get up your decorations, uh, if Home Alone's on TV, I'm going to fucking watch it. Something like that. You know, Christmas Vacation is going to start playing on TBS or whatever channel it's on here soon. So at the Bro 4 Squad podcast, we wanted to go around and tell you what to still watch if you're still in the horror mood or maybe some I have a few horror uh, Christmas movies to suggest. And then if we have anything at the end, what to avoid this holiday season. So the coal in your stocking, if you will. And no, we're not going to pick on the low-hanging fruit of Lifetime original movies. Although I'm sure Banner has a few of those that are like three times a year watches. Look, Christmas is in July. That's all I'm saying. Does Lifetime do anything but Christmas movies? Uh, uh maybe? maybe valentine's day movies yeah that's right they probably do i uh, i think i think they do like uh like creepy stalker movies too i do yeah oh yeah that they have like 425 days starting in december like a new original movie every day and i would bet we can guess the plot tonight nine out of the 25 almost exactly i guarantee you main female character doesn't meet male character five minutes in the movie and fall in love by the end on a three-day weekend to tahoe and she's a workaholic who just can't seem to let go of her job and enjoy herself but she forgot her charger and battery's dead so she's got to borrow one from a stranger she's going back to her small sleepy vermont town that she grew up in but hasn't returned to in years all right, this the is old high school fling back together. <laughs> uh, all right, let's so let's each start off with a recommendation or something that we implore people to watch this time of year. Could still be a Halloween movie, could be a Christmas movie, could be some hybrid of the in between, or could be something that really just gets your feelings going this time of year. Geiger, let's start with you. What would you recommend? I'm gonna do three things for Christmas, but they're they're not movies because I think we've. You guys are going to talk about a lot of movies that I could just repeat. So I'm going to do something that we don't talk about enough, and that's TV shows. And I honestly think we don't do a good enough job, um, not us personally, but the networks and the streaming services that I think during Christmas, you basically just need to have like a mixtape of all your Christmas episodes from your like TV shows on Netflix. Yes. So first off, I think one of the the best Christmas TV episodes ever, and that's The Office Yankee Swap. That is a must-watch. I actually wrote and, this down, too, where all the Office Christmas episodes, so I'm glad. Okay, yeah, that. and the one where they go to Benihana and he can't tell them apart, that one's fucking great, too. Yeah. I love that the one Benihana just, one. I, the Yankee, is the swap, Yankee one, swap Is that the one where Andy gets the sitar and he starts playing it? No, Andy's not part of it yet. This is like season two. This is when Ryan gets the iPod. Because oh, yeah. Michael fired the one guy on like Halloween. A, they had like a $10 gift limit. Yeah, and uh, like Dwight gives people paintball lessons and Jim gives Pam some sweet gift because Michael turns it around because Phyllis gives him an oven mitt and he gets pissed. It's a fucking great episode. It's so <laughs> – it's like it, it definitely spells Christmas. The next um, – I guess comedy that I want to talk about is that 70s show Christmas motherfucker. Are you just going to take all of our shit? <laughs> Did you write all these down? 
I've got that 70s show Minus. down and he had The Office. Okay. Well, you want to talk – which episode? They – I love all of the Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas episodes. The okay. Christmas episode where they throw the party at Hyde's dad's house and Foreman comes home and throws up all over uh, Red's shoes. That's a great fucking episode. I, the one I was going to talk about is when Kitty has them get all the uh, toys for the less fortunate, but then Hyde and Kelso start playing Rock and Sock and Robot and a bunch of that shit and get high and just keep them all for themselves. Yep. Because yep. They, like, dude, these they, games they are do, cool. They have the they shoot the evil can evil. Uh, yeah. Toy across the room. Yeah. All these games that, like, my dad's like, God, I remember that thing. That thing was bad. I actually got my dad Rock'em Sock'em Robots, like, two Christmases ago because he wanted it so oh, fucking cool. Is it a Christmas episode where they chop down the tree yes. off the highway and the yes. fucking park range? They give them, them? It's actually the first season. They give them 40 bucks to buy a tree and whatever's left over, they can buy, like, decorations or food or whatever for their party that they're having. So to save the money and spend it on beer, they go to the side of the road and cut off a tree. And the the last one I will say is any of the home improvement, either Christmas or Halloween's. The Halloween's are really good because they uh, always try to scare Tim and Tim has this party and uh, Jill's starting to send him notes from this girl named Ruth that she's going to come and kill him. And Tim's trying to figure out who the fuck it is. And everyone's playing a prank on Tim because he gets everyone on Halloween and the Christmas one whenever – the uh, homeowner's situation just basically sent a letter that you can't have anything over like a hundred gigawatts and everything. And Tim gets all pissed off because his, <laughs> his house is basically like the Vegas strip. I, I, I tell you, man, I like home improvement isn't on any streaming service that I know of. And there's a lot of that's criminal. I know. And people don't understand is that beat Seinfeld. Like, a couple years in a row, like in ratings in the nineties and think about all the TV shows that were in the fucking, I mean, you had married with children, you had full house, you had a ton of those shows and home improvement beat all of them. So that needs to be on a streaming service. And man, you, they need to do some playlist on Netflix. Like, Hey, here's just our Thanksgiving, you know, episodes right now. Here's just our Christmas. So you can thumb through them and stuff because the office, I usually have to Google like what season was that? And then like, look it up. I will say, uh, it's mostly kids films and TV episodes, not to anyone's surprise, but Disney plus did that with uh, Halloween. Yeah. It was a game changer. Yeah. They curated like, these are all our Halloween specials. So it would be specific episodes from shows. Like they had all the Simpsons Treehouse of horrors and stuff like that. But then, but then it had like all the Disney channel original movies that were Halloween films and stuff like that, but nowhere near like none of the adult stuff that we would be interested in unfortunately and i can't believe home improvement is not anything like it's that's not to shit on seinfeld we we love seinfeld but like let's talk about accessibility i think it's extremely but i mean you can respect what it is at least yeah i can see why some people like it but but it's more niche right like you the type the sense of humor is not as accessible home improvement's kind of like everybody can watch it and laugh yeah, and uh, it's on, like, UPN or something like that, and sometimes I'll tape, like, five episodes in a row, but it's just not the same as just, like, streaming, like, every episode. Yeah, that's a shame. Good stuff. All right, Banner, how about you? Any recommendations? All right, well, other than the holiday episodes of That 70s Show, another good one, uh, if you're looking at a Halloween episode, is the one where they uh, recreate the rear window. 
where uh, Fez falls, uh, yeah. hurts, his, hurts his leg, and then he thinks that Bob has uh, killed Midge because he's staring out the window. It's a good episode. Well, I did never even made the connection that was a rear window parody, but it makes total sense. We don't talk about that 70s show enough on here. That's we a, really don't. That's, a that's, fantastic my, fa- that's my favorite show. I'm it's Banner, the office. Banner and I back in college when DVDs were a thing, uh, he, when we lived together, he had all the DVDs, and I... Like, had seen the show, like, at least most of the episodes. But, Banner, how long did it take me to binge the entire series? So, this was back in, like, what, 08, maybe? And, yeah. again, you have DVDs. I think you got through all eight seasons in, like, two weeks. And they're 23-episode seasons. Yeah, the last season I remember kind of I watched through, I but... watched through most of them with you, and then the last episode came, you're like, I have to do this by myself. It was a, like a religious a experience. Yeah. They really needed that 90s show with them as parents. They, it's coming out on Netflix, yeah. Yeah. Topher Grace and... Uh, is Danny God. Masterson in it, or is he, he is too not. hot to handle? No, he no. is not. But uh, Kitty and Red are coming back. Laura Prepon and Topher Grace are coming back. Kutcher's not? What the fuck's he doing? He hasn't been announced yet, but he's, okay. he's weird. I don't know. I'm sorry, Banner, I cut you if, off. If <laughs> Mila Kunis, did you say Mila Kunis is coming back? No, not that I've read. Uh, the only okay. names I've seen is, uh, I can't remember the names of Red and Kitty. Normally I know them. But Laura Prepon and Topher Grace are coming back as Donna and Eric. Okay. That's. I was going to say, if Kunis comes back, Kutcher's got to come back, right? It's all. It doesn't really matter about them. It's all the casting of the kids. I mean, yeah. that's what made that show. I think it's like their kids are... I just saw the synopsis like last week, but their kids are like teenagers going to visit their grandparents for the summer. Okay. Back in Point Place. That'll be that could be disastrous, and it also could be amazing. It doesn't. Yeah, so sound, they, that's already sounds stupid. They just need to do it in high school somehow. Right, I agree. <laughs> but the way they can do it that way is Topher Grace and Laura Prepon can can be in like two episodes, and then most yeah. of it is Red Kitty with the kids getting up to hijinks. The fuck's Topher Grace doing? He's in a sitcom on ABC. Okay. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith is uh Red Foreman. And uh Deborah Joe Rump. Deborah Joe Rump, yeah, is Kitty. Uh the only other thing I have, because this is the only time that it's gonna fit in and you guys are gonna be like, okay, well yeah, maybe. Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> I mean but Come on, guys. What about it specifically, besides Anthony Mackie being in it? What more do you is need? It, is there any Christmas element to it? Uh, or it's just a gift? Is that what you're kind of getting yeah. at? <laughs> because I'm on this fucking podcast, I've heard more about... This year, I've heard more about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter than I have about the fucking vaccine. Just saying something. You try to shove that down our throat. One day, I'm just going to actually watch it. You need it's on to. TV. It's gotta be on you TV. need to. I'll do a commentary with you on it. I'll walk I you just, through it. I'll hold your hand. The only yeah. channel I think that would show it is FX. There's no other channel that I think. I want to <laughs> say I've seen it on TNT. This this has Spike TV written all over it. If it, if Spike was still a thing. Yeah. What is, what is Spike now? Paramount. Paramount. Really. Really cleaned but up. Nowhere. The it's nowhere near as bro as Spike. FX TV. took over Spike basically. Yeah. Well, now there's FXX, which is like the more bro version of FX. 
Yeah, it's got that extra X. You know what I'm saying? That's all I got. All right, I actually have two uh, like Christmas horror movies, which is a subgenre for sure, but one that is trashy and I fucking love. The first one is a movie that actually, as this is dropping, uh, Cycling, I did a movie commentary on it last year. And it's the 2015 film Krampus, which I'm not sure if either of you guys have heard of. But it is a dark horror comedy with a cast uh, of pretty recognizable names. Adam Scott is in it, who, of mm. course, is Derek and Step Brothers. David Koechner, who is uh, has been in The Office. What's his name of his guy in The Office, Matt? The one who has the, all the DUIs? Oh, um, Todd Packer. Yeah, Todd Packer. He's, He's Todd in, Packer. Uh, Anchorman. But he's an anchorman, of course. Um, Tony Collette is in it, who has been Oscar nominated. Uh, and then there's a couple character actors you would recognize, like Conchata Farrell, who is the nanny in Two and a Half Men. She's like always fucking wisecracking. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's pretty well cast in this. Basically, it's based on there's like a, a Danish folktale where if kids are bad, uh, around Christmas, or I guess throughout the year, at Christmas, this beast called Krampus comes instead of Santa and sort of terrorizes them. And that's what this movie is about. Like a kid, it's like this really dysfunctional family all takes place in one night. And this kid unwittingly summons the beast Krampus and it comes to his house and fucking terrorizes his family. But the movie is definitely in on the joke. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's pretty good. And it's uh pretty short. Let me see how long it is. It's an hour thirty eight minutes, including credits. And it for Cycli and I, I mean, a B level horror movie with this cast with some pretty epic kills. I mean, we were pretty much all in this thing from the jump. So Krampus is one I definitely recommend. Another one that I guarantee no one here has heard of, but I found this on Netflix like two or three years ago. And for some reason, it's always stuck with me. And it is this horror Christmas anthology movie called A Christmas Horror Story. So not the most creative title for a movie, for sure. Unique. Yes. Um, I saw this again a few years is ago. Is Christmas on with a C? Yeah. I mean, it's all spelled <laughs> normal. Um, this one actually hour 39 minutes, only one minute longer than Krampus. Uh, but it's basically three anthology stories, um, playing out of like characters on Christmas Eve and different horror elements happening to them. One is this family being hunted by like an abominable snowman in the woods. Another one is Santa. Why are they in the woods the night before Christmas? They are going, they're trying to visit some relatives and they're driving through the woods. Okay. Exhausting. You can do what you got to do around the holidays, Banner. Um, another one is about uh, these kids that are filming a video on Christmas Eve. They try to go back to their school and film something, and it turns out that they're being like harassed and stalked throughout the school. And the, which again, why would you want to fucking go to your school on Christmas break? That's the scariest part of that particular story. And then the last one is actually. Uh, <laughs> Santa, a very buff and in shape Santa, I might add, is at the North Pole, uh, actually fighting Krampus, who is attempting to invade and starts like killing all the elves. It sounds and, awesome. 
there is a massive fucking twist in this thing. <laughs> like, pretty goddamn crazy. Um, I kind of want you guys to see it just so we can talk about it. This see, Geiger would fucking vomit if he watched this thing, but Banner, I think you would enjoy it a lot. Can the we only... get The Rock as Santa? I wish. Santa kicks a lot of ass in this, I'm not going to lie. Um, the only actor you would recognize in it is the great William Shatner. Ah, the space traveler. Yes. Who plays, he's a radio DJ who is kind of like summarizing the events in the town. Like, through, he's like the narrator, sort of. Mm. So, that is a Christmas horror story. And it's, it's supposed to be getting a sequel, which, of course, no one asked for except me. Is that a <laughs> New Year's, the New Year's horror story? Who asked for this? If I had to guess, it would be a Christmas horror story, too. But... I'm not in the know or on the production team. I don't know if you guys had anything uh, that people needed to avoid this holiday season. Either something you think is incredibly overrated, maybe something coming out that you think looks like absolute shit, or just something that you're like, I can't get into this no matter what. Geiger, did you have anything? Come back to me. I fucking lost my sheet. All right. Vander, how about you? So the only thing that really, at the end of the day, every Christmas movie we know is story-wise it's it's a step below everything else right but because it's a christmas movie they're fun we're in the mood they automatically get elevated to this higher level we did a commentary on this movie and i don't think i will ever watch it again and that is uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer <laughs> my the, uh, god is it claymation the, technically or what is it yeah i don't know what it is yeah it's i think it's claymation. yeah whatever it is that was the longest 45 minutes of my fucking life. That was that rough. I am the I, I know this is probably like you're not supposed to taboo, but I, I'll never watch Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer again. It was definitely less fun than Santa Claus is coming to town. And what was the other one we did? Uh, Frosty. Frosty was fun. Oh, oh yeah, Frosty we did the animated class. Frosty. God, because animated Frosty Frosty's, Frosty's the bad guy. Defend a villain. My God. Yeah. What was the name of the fucking magician in that movie? They took his hat. Yeah. That's where his name, but they took his fucking hat. He uses that to make a living. Uh, anyway. Professor Rudolph. Hinkle. Rudolph is coming to town. Yeah, that one Rudolph sucked. Rudolph right near. That it was off. Excruciatingly long. There was a point where all of us were just sitting there literally going, when is this going to end? I can't, like, it was so bad we couldn't even talk shit on it anymore. It made me wish I was Jewish, so I, it would just not be Christmas anymore. I could get out of there. Uh, Geiger, how about yeah. you? Oh, by the way, do those air on TV anymore? I mean, when we were kids, it was like a yearly thing. Now, I think, I don't even... think they're on, like, AB. Sometimes... Don't you guys see them um, get promoted during football games? I think they're yeah, on, yeah. like, uh, NBC or something, sometimes at night, like, on Sunday night or something. Yeah, I think, like, when we were kids, they were on, like, every day for a week, and now I think they literally play them once, and that's it. It's a damn shame. What's wrong with the youth? Literally, I'm really surprised Rudolph hasn't been canceled. There's a lot of... Well, his stuff. dad, totally absent father. Stuff in that one. Listen to our commentary. We explain all of it in detail. 
Geiger, how about you? What should people stay away from this holiday season? I love Christmas movies, so this might come as a shock. I'll probably get fought on it. But I can't get through this one, man. I just don't think it's that good. And that's the Polar Express. Nope. I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> I become a big fan of the Polar Express these past few years. Do you? Okay. I, I was I thought somebody on here really liked it. I remember they always talk it up, but I just it's on FX all the time and I they I'm play a the huge fan. It, yeah. If you have a good Christmas movie, play that shit three times a day from December first to the twelfth. I'm fucking fine with it. You can't play it enough. But that's on all the time. There's sometimes you know, I get home from work and I might have an hour. I'm just like, oh, oh, what Christmas movies are on? I'm like Polar Express. I'm like, fuck me. And maybe it's because I haven't seen it all the way through that I can't just jump in halfway through like, I don't know, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story. But I just don't think it's that good. I, I don't it know. It loses a ton of momentum at the end. In my I completely agree. Actually, once they get to the North Pole, the thing stops dead in its tracks. Once they get off the Polar Express... It's like, okay. But I, for some reason, I used to hate, but now I love the nerdy kid on the train who's like a train expert. He's like, there's a steam a steam engine locomotive. He just keeps like fucking giving them train facts. <laughs> I, I guess it's because it's not very fun. It's pretty like serious, I guess. It takes itself really serious. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I just, I can't, it's not my bag, man. I can't get into it. It's definitely different. Well, yeah, it's Tom Hanks, so of course it's going to try and take itself seriously. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's so many other, and especially like, you know, old school Christmas movies or ones that you haven't seen in a while that I'd much rather watch than that. Yeah, I mean, it, I I've been getting into it more and more these past years. We'll see if it checks the same boxes this year because last year I'd watch it like three times on TV. It just seems like wow, the people that dig it are the people that you know, work remote from Starbucks with their glasses and their laptops and ask you if you saw Colbert last night. They seem like those type of people, which are cool, but that's just not me. Oh, I thought you meant for Starbucks. I was like, what? No, like, I was really confused there. Like, act like it's their office when you're, like, trying to fucking drink your coffee. Like, you know, why don't you just work from home? Like, why are you here for eight hours? Too cheap to pay for your own fucking internet. Free Wi-Fi. (laughs) That is an annoying fucking person. Um, I'll report back on Polar Express here in a few weeks because I'm sure FX and all these places are going to start. At, we say we claim everything's on FX, but I actually think that is on FX. <clears throat> One thing I want people to avoid this year, and I'm going to watch it, and we're probably going to do a commentary on it, but I'm going to sit here and say this anyway. It's the Home Alone reboot on Disney Plus, Home Sweet Home Alone, which I don't know how uh, I lost track of this thing so much because this was announced, I think when Disney plus was announced. So what, like two years ago, Brian? Yeah, I think so. And we were excited. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be one of like the, you know, Disney plus got launched in November. I thought it was going to be one of like the flagstones that next Christmas. And here we are two, two years later. And I don't know what happened to the project or like where things changed, but originally I had heard the rumored new wet bandits were going to be Jamie Foxx and Paul Rudd. And that is a far cry away from the bagged serial wet bandits we're getting in this, which is Ellie Kemper or Aaron from The Office and some other fucking guy. And then the the kid from Jojo Rabbit, who I actually liked a lot in Jojo yeah. Rabbit. His friend with glasses, but hashtag not my Kevin McAllister. Sorry. Is he actually going to be Kevin McAllister? I believe that's his name. Let me look it up right here. But oh, I, thought I watched was... this thing. I thought his dad was a Culkin. I thought it was Culkin's brother was in this. Oh, wait, you're right. right. So he plays a kid named Max Mercer. 
Oh, wait. The guy who played Buzz is actually back as Buzz McAllister. Holy shit. So maybe wow. it's his son? They were able to get him back with his schedule? I mean, I'm going to share my screen real quick. This guy looks like exactly what you think Buzz looks like now. I know I share my screen on the new. Is he? Does he look like... Uh... What the fuck's the, the badass from Mighty Ducks that's now a pussy on Daredevil? <laughs> Eldon Henson. Hang on, it's this guy. Foggy. Can you see him? Yep. Yeah, Holy that's shit. exactly how. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's looking better than he does, like, in this photo. The chick to the left's hot. Allison, whatever. Like, this picture right here, he's doing better than that. Well, that that's Jared the Subway guy. Pre the Subway diet. If you would have told me that the... But post-touching little if you, kids. If you would tell me in October that the fat kid from Jojo Rabbit is having a funny Christmas movie on Disney, I'd be like, sweet, I'll watch that. Why does it have to be Home Alone? Yeah, I know. It's kind of like we've, I mean, everyone has had this discussion, but it's like, just come up with something original. Like, quit trying to just fucking reboot. You and... could even have, you know, kind of a Home Alone-esque thing where he's fighting bad guys. Or something. It's fine, but just don't call it fucking home alone yeah because if the only connection is that buzz it shows up i mean i don't think buzz is his dad because this kid's last name is mercer so is buzz just going to be like their neighbor what are we doing there's not a culkin in this not that i can see okay i i thought i read that it's because one of the culkins is in um home alone he's the he's the kid that what's the bed yeah, That's I thought he was originally going to be the dad. And he he could have the last name Mercer because it would be McAllister because they're they're cousins. Cousins. Very true. So I thought that was I thought I read that, but apparently not. I oh my god, guys! I'm looking at the cast list here. Do you remember the running joke in the first one? Snakes? I don't know no yeah. snakes. There's a guy in this movie whose character's name is Snakes. Of course, they're going to bring it all back. It's like, you're going to have to watch this now for the other ones. Oh, God. Uh, why do we do this? Do you think Pesci will retire from acting again <laughs> to be on this? Definitely. This is what this is what you come out of retirement for. Uh, Keenan Thompson is in it. And I'm hoping it's not the real version, but spoilers possibly for Home Sweet Home Alone. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear them. But a woman is cast as Mrs. Claus. So if actual Santa shows up in this. I'm no, done. I guarantee I guarantee you Santa's a woman in this. I take the over. <laughs> All right. So could this be worse than the Christmas Chronicles part two? hundred percent. Yes. That I think is my least favorite movie that we've ever done a commentary on. I actually think that is my that is one of my least or one of my lowest ranked movies overall ever. They're going to have the kid from Jojo Rabbit that has an English fucking accent, which is fine if you do a Christmas movie with him. He's kind of funny. But they're going to try to somehow get this into Home Alone, so one of them is going to have to marry a English woman or something. Uh, it's going to it probably have to take place in Britain, I would think, or the kid's accent. If he grew up in America, why would it be like that? Dude, and then they're going to... Chicago, I'm so out. It's, and they probably mentioned that in the trailer, but... I was too busy hating it to really pay attention to the plot points. And the bad part is I won't even see it because I refuse to like Disney Plus. So whatever. It's not my problem, I guess. Damn it. 
it just upsets me. I kind of blame myself because I don't know. Like, we didn't have any promotional material, but this was a project that I got kind of excited for early on. It's a rookie mistake. Yeah, it really is. With second-generation be- talent, you got to just know that 80% of them are going to break your heart. But you're going to get some that are just like, man, you're better than your dad or your mom. But when you don't even have fucking Macaulay Culkin in it, why fucking do it? Yeah. It makes I no mean, sense. This, ha- this has, like, the B-list from Saturday Night Live. Like, Keenan Thompson's in it. Chris Parnell. Do you remember him? <laughs> Uh, Mikey Day, who's on SNL right now. The name might not sound familiar, but if you saw him, you'd recognize him. Does this show how great the 90s were? That basically, like, Fuller House, that 90s show. They're basically just remaking everything that we had because their new ideas suck, I guess. Yeah, and, like, are these watered-down versions better than some original idea you could come up with? I would rather watch a shitty movie that's an original idea than you trying to catch lightning in a bottle for a second time. Yeah. I totally agree. And 90% of the time, you're going to know if your movie's shitty, so if you figure it out that it's shitty halfway through filming, just play into it. Make fun of yourself. Have a good time. And maybe that's what this will do. Like, it def- I, mean, it didn't, it I didn't guarantee think it was- you it won't. I didn't get the sense that it thought it was like the Irishman in the trailer, but it, it also, I don't know if it knows how bad it is so we'll see all right anything else all right that brings us to the second part of our show which is our protein shake where we go around and talk about what is in our cup also known as what have we watched lately i have five things one banner did you finish what if of course okay so you and i share that uh how about you guys how many are we looking at banner three I've got three, including what if. Okay, perfect. Let me do one, and then I'll toss it over to you guys. We can do a little round robin. Uh, I watched, and Banner, maybe you've seen this, uh, the Disney, I believe it's a Disney Plus original, animated movie, Luca. Have you seen this? I believe it's Pixar, actually. Hmm. But it was Disney Plus. Uh, it did drop on Disney Plus, yes. Yeah, like it didn't have a theatrical. Yeah, I don't think it had a th- theatrical release. No, I'm sorry. I, I told you you were... I don't know. That was a dick move. No, I just think got con- no. I got confused. Uh, Luca. It's it's fun, cute. Fun movie, yeah. Kind of a cool <laughs> concept. I I sort of feel like though. So the concept, if you don't know, is about this. Um, takes place in Italy, which I thought was like probably the most fun part of this. Just getting to see like the Italian Riviera, you yeah, know, lifestyle. Small, small city, small small seaside city in Italy. Yeah, and it's about the I, – I didn't really pick up the name of the species. Did, did they mention it, like what the fish people are called? I, I don't remember, honestly. I, I think I watched it once. So it's basically these fish people, and the, the titular character, Luca, is a amphibious uh, creature underwater who has the ability to go to the surface, and he will transform immediately into a human as long as he's dry. But he's never done so, and he's very curious. And he finally does and has some misadventures and kind of gets into like the typical struggle of like his family doesn't want him to go to the surface. The surface dwellers fear him and he starts to make friends on land and and make a life for himself. And it checks a lot of like the tropes of these types of Disney movies like this. But it's quite literally a fish out of water in this instance. (laughs) Like that's literally the movie. Um, I just thought visually it looked really cool, and even though it's like not crazy original story wise, 
I think, I don't know if there's any plans for a sequel, but the world that they created to me is really interesting. Like you actually hardly get anything underwater in this, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that they can very easily do a spinoff or a sequel or prequel to this, uh, utilizing the underwater stuff much, much more while the land and the, the character building and everything that they did, uh, in this one was good. I don't think that's where your story actually is. Yeah. And some of the characters, like the side characters I'm really interested in is like the dude who is always grunting and he like lost his arm. The, always the, pasta. The, the dad. Yeah. 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 Like, he, I want to see his backstory. I want to see him. I want to know how he lost his arm. I want to see when he was a young fisherman and was out there just crushing ass. So Luca on Disney Plus, not spelled like Luca Doncic, spelled with a K. Geiger, how about you? What's in your cup? So my wife has been watching this show, which means I'm watching the show or watching the kid on Netflix called Made. <sighs> Women like like to watch shows like I like to watch shows that when I'm done, I kind of feel good about myself or that's badass. This is one of the most fucking depressing shit I've ever seen. I guess it's reality because show? what is it a reality show? No. Okay, sorry. It's think of the Queen's Gambit, but it takes place in present day. Uh, this chick basically got knocked up by this. Oh, made like a, a like housemaid. Yeah. Okay. Yes. M A I D. This chick. It's all coming it, together now. Yeah. This chick basically think Midwest trailer. <laughs> This chick gets knocked up by this guy, so she has a kid. He's got a drinking problem. He's, like, not really – he doesn't hit her, but he's really, like, mentally abusive and stuff, and she keeps trying to leave and, you know, find ways to leave because she's like, I can't just stay in this trailer while he's in between jobs and he keeps drinking and he's mean to me, and I got this kid and I just want something better in my life. So she tries to, like, get into this school, and she gets in, and, like, she has a car, but it's – one of his friends. So then once he figures out that she got in the school, he has the friend take back the car. So now she has no way of even leaving the trailer and she just has to wait for him to get back from work. And then once he comes back from work, he basically just drinks a six pack of tall boys, passes out. She takes care of the kid. I guess it's just, I, I, I'm kind of from a town like that. So I can tell you like 20 couples that are just like, that's just their life pretty much like, you know, (laughs) there's not much love there or anything, but if you guys, I don't know if your wives are watching this, but do they watch shows that just like when I'm when I'm done, I'm like, well, that's just kind of a depressing, fucking terrible thing to watch. Yeah, my my, uh, my wife watches all the Greg Berlanti shows, who's the guy who works with Reese Witherspoon all the time. So like Nine Perfect Strangers, Little Fires Everywhere. What's that show yeah. on HBO with her? Basically, it's like men. Little big lies. Little big little eyes, yeah. It's the like one with uh, Elizabeth Moss, where Handmaid's uh, Tale. She hasn't yeah. watched that yet. I think that one might be too insanely depressing for her. <laughs> Which is where my wife picks it up. She loves The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Which, like, I my guess wife loves that too. I like, I like shows like Entourage and Ballers. Now, it depresses me that I'm, you know, not doing drugs and having a foursome, but, you know, and driving a Lamborghini, but I kind of get over it later. But it's not like some of these shows are I'm like, this is the most fucking depressing thing I've ever fucking seen. I would rather just stare at a wall than watch this shit. 
but they get off on it. I, I don't know. And my mom's like that too. Like my mom was always watching shows and I'm like, God, this is like depressing isn't it. This sucks. Yeah. I just want to kind of, I don't know. Like our free time is so limited. I don't want to watch something that makes me be like, fuck. <laughs> Damn. But also we talk out of both sides of our mouth because we got really into like the Punisher and all the shit that making a murderer like. and stuff. But like afterwards though, we would watch like, you know, when I'm eating, I don't like to watch shows like that. I like to watch you, the you Office, have, that '70s show, or something fun. You gotta funny. have a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm watching it with. I would not. I, I wouldn't watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> is it terrible or is it just depressing? It's just really depressing. It's great acting. Yeah. It's just you know, like my God, like they have no hope in life at all. Like that's gonna be their life. Yay. <laughs> If this ends with her, like, dying or getting hit it's, by a car or some shit, I'm going to be like, come on, guys. It's like some of the best advice I was ever given. They're like, get a career, not a job. There you go. Like, don't have a job. <laughs> get a career. Yeah, don't work at Walmart. If you don't know the difference, then, you know. And You're pro- you probably have a job then. Look it up, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you probably have a job then. <laughs> then job better, you know? All right, made on Netflix. I've read, like, it's... Uh, like an acclaimed show, but yeah, I definitely it'll get awards for sure. Yeah, it just wasn't a knee slapper. No, not at all. I thought it was a movie for some reason when I saw the trailer. I don't know if I could do like only episodes. eight episodes, hour long. Y- yeah, like forty. Yeah, hour long. Yeah. Okay. All right, Banner, what you got? All right, uh, got uh, two things here. One, as we all know, doing my MCU. Um, Sorry, there was a mic malfunction there. Uh, doing my MCU quest and busting through it pretty quick. Got the first season of Loki under my belt again. Wow. I, I will say of the three MCU shows, uh, not including What If, the three that are, uh, I guess, canon, we'll call it now, uh, Loki is the easiest to get back into. And honestly, it's, in my opinion, the best one. And it's yeah. probably not even that close. The acting is head and shoulders above anything in any of the other ones. And I thought Elizabeth Olsen did and Catherine Hahn did a fantastic job in uh, WandaVision. But top to bottom, everybody in Loki from um, uh, Wilson to the chick that plays Renfro to Hiddleston, everybody was just amazing in it. Too. Maybe really, someone really shows up towards the end. Yes. Just absolutely incredible. Um, and it was it is probably the toughest to kind of wrap your head around with all the time travel. Uh, I don't want to say it's the most out there concept because WandaVision being a sitcom and kind of parroting all the sitcoms over the, the decades is pretty out there. But this is probably the hardest to follow. Um and yet it is by far the most compelling story. Yeah, I agree. This uh, all the MCU shows had the crescendo at some point where they built to something. This one was the one that I don't think dovetailed off of that. It just stayed at that high yeah. towards the end. Even if I we agree. had too high of expectations, I did not feel the letdown, which, again, you could say it's self-inflicted with WandaVision. But I didn't feel that same way at the end of Loki. Yeah, 100 percent. And. Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we talked about this last uh, episode, that one was just a 
we we need a we need a base hit right here. We need something that we're not going to piss anybody off. Just a safe move, um, where they kind of bookended both of the or bookended that with two kind of crazy ideas. And they definitely picked Loki, or Loki is definitely the best. Yeah, Falcon and Winter Soldier to me, like you said, felt like the safest bet, or the one the one to me where you were like, if we had to turn one of these into just a movie, this one would be the most reliable because WandaVision and Loki are pretty big swings. They're like Hail Marys. I agree. And I think, I think Falcon winter soldier also, um, it, it was hurt a lot by the pandemic just because they had to change the storyline of things that were happening with what was going on in real life. So I think that may have hurt it a little bit, just the rewrite kind of last minute. Um, with that being said, I don't think that the original story still would have been as good as as Loki. Uh, yeah, so. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, I watched a movie that Banner you'll love, Geiger you would hate, uh, Greenland with Gerard Butler mm, and Brandon Lockerin. I'm in. This was we. There has to be like a. We should just do a whole episode on movies that you think are just much better if you watch them on an airplane. Because you kind of have no nowhere else to go. <laughs> That's where I watched Greenland on an American Airlines flight. It was part of their like in-flight entertainment of free movies, and I was kind of interested in it. The premise, if you don't know, is Gerard Butler is married to Marina Bakarian. Now, Matt, he might have cheated on her with his secretary, but we all make mistakes. Jesus, raise your hand if you're perfect. Um, so the beginning of the movie, it's like so cliche. He's like allowed to move back into the house with her and his child. But, you know, it's definitely for the kid, right? They got to work on some shit. The only thing that could fix this marriage in two days would be like an end of the world event, right? Well, Obviously. Lo, lo and behold, fucking meteor is crashing into Earth. And there is a rumor that if you can somehow get to Greenland, there are these old bunkers back from like... Uh, the 1940s that are built to withstand a nuclear blast that you could possibly get in and survive. So, throughout all this craziness, and Roy from The Office shows up, not actually, yeah. but the actor who's in it. Who's, by the way, that dude's in fucking everything, right? Like, his agent's doing a great job. He's um, in Power Rangers. Yeah, he's in Mayor of Easttown, which I just saw. Uh, was in that movie Brightburn came out last year, two years ago. Okay. Um, so, Gerard Butler is... You know, trying to get his family to Greenland and just crazy shit starts happening. Uh, Scott Glenn, who played Stick in Daredevil, do you remember him, Matt? Oh yeah. He's in Good it. Actor. He's, he's awesome, dude. Yeah. That great guy, Stick. Yeah, he's a he's a beast. He's in really good shape too. Good for him. Like in this in this movie, he's just walking around in a wife beater and his biceps are like I'm like, you could kick the shit out of Gerard Butler right now. He plays the father of Gerard Butler's wife who, of course, Gerard Butler cheated on, so he's, like, not a huge Gerard Butler fan in the movie. Um, And on paper, I should hate this movie, and I feel like I'm saying this. I'm just getting soft in my old age. I actually had a lot of fun with this thing. <laughs> like, I think you come in with a lowered expectation, and you're like, all right, that's actually not as bad as is, I would have thought. Is I Gerard think if Butler you... just on the highway to become Russell Crowe? Like he's he, his biggest movie, he got really in shape and now he's not so in shape and kind of he's nuts. one week of not working out away from being Russell Crowe yeah. and unhinged. 
So now it's funny because they take these action stars and, and the way that Hollywood pivots, or at least their agent does, is now he's in action movies, but he's not actually beating the shit out of anyone. Like, he doesn't fight the asteroid, obviously. Yeah. He, he just, could. Well, but, the I asteroid's mean, he, on steroids. It wouldn't be a fair fight. Well, the asteroid is drunk. That's the only reason he got – he knocked it out. Uh, I don't know, man. This is – hour 40 minutes. It's fun. It's It's not, like, an incredible film, but – if you read the synopsis and you were like, fuck it, I'll try it. There's nothing in here that you'll be like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have seen that. Now, if you actually want like a movie that's going to make you think, obviously Greenland is not that movie. <laughs> so I'll just say that. Uh, all right, Gagger, what else you got? So I should hate this movie. Um, it's got like basically the third string of comedy people in it. But, God, it is a really good comedy, and that's Hot Tub Time Machine, the first one. I yes. love Hot Tub Time Machine. It's actually really good. Like, I don't like Rob Corddry at all um, in yeah, Ballers. Yeah. He's, like, the worst part, because he just is that over-the-top, like, oh, I'm going to be vulgar, but it's not, like, you know, it's just, like, not funny. But he thinks he's hilarious. You could, he's yeah, just he trying, yeah, hilarious. he's saying it because he's trying to fit in, even though it's just, it's, like, you're trying too hard, dude. The the only thing about this movie is that John Cusack just looks like, fine, I'll do it, like the whole time. I don't know if you guys feel that, or maybe that that's kind of his character, but still he like almost does it too much, where he's just like, I don't want to be in this fucking movie. Like I'm so sick of the eighties, but he, <laughs> but he's like, basically get back to it. And then you got the kid that was supposed to be the next Jonah Hill from Sex Drive. Remember that when he's just yes. like, dude, he's yeah. he's next. And then and the later scene. Seasons of the Office, right? Right, yeah. Or no, and, and nothing interns. happened to him. Then you got Daryl from The Office that, I don't know, I mean, he probably didn't have much upside. But this movie is actually really funny. And you think that, okay, it's just a flashback 80s movie, a time machine movie, like what the fuck? But it's actually really fucking good. I'm surprised. You know, Sebastian Stan is the douchebag guy that they fight at that party. Yep, yeah. Yeah. And it actually it's it's cool because they go back and that place is a shithole now because that yeah. I mean that's true about everything like the bar district that you go back to in college is probably like apartments or something like you know everything changes all the time so it's actually really fucking good and Rob Corddry is funny in it and then <clears throat> he becomes the one kid's dad because he has sex with you know the mom or whatever and then he makes a ton of money because he sings with motley crew and he does some business venture but it's actually a really good film i haven't seen the second one stugel instead of google yeah stugel and i haven't seen the second one i don't know if you guys have if it's any good but i have not seen they, the second one they recast john cusack with adam scott that Ew. makes sense because i could see cusack cusack did not want to be in this i could feel that the entire time but he still was cusack said they didn't even ask him to come back for the second one I guarantee really you on weird. set, he's just like, God, this is the stupidest premise ever, but I'm going to fucking do it. Chevy Chase has a little, and a small but important role in the movie, too, if I yeah. remember right. He's like the uh, the cleaner guy or whatever, but he's the one that sends him back in time. Was this streaming on anything? Or just find it on TV? <laughs> it's on FX? FX. Oh, it was on FX On Demand. I was just searching around, and I saw it. I'm like, God, I forgot how, I actually kind of like this movie. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I think because it uses the time travel just to, like, get them to the 80s. It's not like a sci-fi movie. If, if, it's yeah. not, it, it, the movie isn't about time travel. 
And right. that's where that's that's what makes it good. Even though they use time travel, it's not the time travel that is making the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it just takes this group of modern friends back to the 80s. And I also love every time uh, Craig Robinson's character looks in the mirror, his fucking hair, like his afro that he has. <laughs> utterly ridiculous. He looks like Gerald from Hey Arnold. It's like six feet tie. So good. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. It's kind of a Christmas movie. I don't know. It's snowing. <laughs> they go yeah. to a ski lodge. Yeah. So. yeah, I'll take it. Banner, is it your turn or mine? I can't even. Uh, remember. you can go. Okay, I watched a horror movie called *Malignant*, directed by James Wan. Came out this year. Trailers looked pretty stupid, but I'd heard from people that it was the craziest twist in a movie in about five years. And it's a horror movie, of course, so you know I was interested. I obviously will not spoil what the twist is. I watched it, and I guess it depends on what you mean by craziest. But it was pretty fucking wild, and I didn't like it at first. As I've listened and read some things about this movie, I think I really enjoy it. The twist is really twofold. Um, I can't really get into much details about the plot twist, but there's another twist that's almost larger than the movie in the sense like you think the movie is a certain genre of film, and then when the twist happens, you realize it is actually tricked you into getting into the theater and it's a completely different genre of film so it kind of like yeah so it's sort of twofold um i don't think there's any actors or actresses in this you would recognize but there is you would like this so the song where is my mind by the pixies you know that plays at the end of fight club there is like a really badass uh electric guitar remix to that song that plays at like all the crucial points in this movie that even if you don't watch the film, I think it's just worth Googling that because it's really cool. Um, is that a little really, like, like the Tron Legacy-ish? It, yeah, it kind of is. It just And they play it a lot. I mean, they probably go to the well too often. Like They probably overuse it, but it was really cool. I just have one more, so I'll get this out before Banner, you and I talk. What if I watched a Netflix original movie called Kate with Woody Harrelson and Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. And guys, I think at this point, can we just call like John Wickism like a genre of movie? <laughs> Lone assassin goes through some tragedy, kills everyone in one night in like close quarters combat in the dark in a big city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll accept that, it. That's what Kate is. Okay. The plot synopsis here is a little bit interesting. Kate is an assassin working with Woody Harrelson. She is hunting down the Yakuza. So this thing all takes place in one night in Osaka, Japan. She assassinates like one of the head Yakuza guys and someone poisons her. And she has two hours to live before she dies. But before she goes out, she's going to take down the whole fucking Yakuza with her. Pretty cool plot idea, I thought. Um, And it's executed pretty well. Sometimes like the cinema, the fight scenes are like, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, I know, even just from, like, Birds of Prey, she's a really good physical actress. But I don't know if the stunt coordinator didn't trust her enough or with the way this was shot. But, like, they don't let her kick enough ass in this, I thought. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Woody Harrelson was good in it. Just left me wanting a little bit more. But it was What's fun. What's Woody Harrelson not good in? Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Really? Okay. He's... He's like Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. That's how over the top he plays Cletus Cassidy. God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand the problem. It will be 
Carnage. Do, do you think Tom Hardy thinks that he's like doing a lot of good <laughs> in the world right now? I don't know where Tom Hardy's head's at. I think we put him on our list of actors that we typically like their movies, but would never want to hang out with them in real life. I don't typically like his movies anymore. I'm so off his fucking train. He has no clue what he's doing. Yeah, after I, mean, I tried I to guess... watch, after I tried to watch that show he was in, uh, Taboo. Yeah, yeah, Taboo. Me and Geiger were like, yeah, we're gonna watch this whole fucking series. It's gonna be awesome. We did one, the first episode where you reviewed it. We're like, I don't know, man. This fucking sucks. I'm like, I can't never do came this. Back, never came back to it again. That's the only show where we've like bailed on it in terms of the reviews. You know it's you know it's bad if I bail on something. Yeah, that's true. If I, if yeah, I, I guess start something, point, I'm going to fucking finish it. I respect you for that. At this point, Tom Hardy's filmography, I'm with Matt, I guess. Like, if you, we should do the brothology of him. We've already done Mark Wahlberg. But if you go through it, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, on paper, you're like Tim Burton. I thought you were money in the bank. But when I'm actually looking at the stats on the back of your baseball card, you fucking suck. I, I like can see him with. having a resurgence here in five or six years, though. He should just be living in the guest room at Nolan's house, and Nolan just needs to knock on his door. He's like, hey, I got a pop for you. He's like, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Kate, on Netflix, Netflix original. I also have to say, and Banner, you know this because I sent you the Snapchat. So Nate Thurman got me this badass like soundbar and subwoofer, and I hooked it up to my projector in the front room of my house. And this was like the first film that I really watched with like the full audio and video. And that made it more badass, like gunshots and shit breaking and car chases yeah. on that subwoofer. I was like, damn, this is pretty fucking awesome. Even though the movie itself wasn't incredible. I would say didn't hate wasn't great, was how I would describe it. Love it. All right, Geiger, anything else you got? No, I'm good. All right, Banner, what else? All right, uh, last thing real quick on Disney+. Plus. Uh, watch Muppets Haunted Mansion. Oh, so did I. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, Cycling, I talked about it in episode 163, I believe. Oh, yeah, I totally knew that, because I listened back to our other episodes. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, look, I haven't gotten to that one yet. I've been busy. Excuse me. Uh, what'd you think of it? Um, I, so I don't, I think I, I liked it. It was funny. I'm a big Muppets head. I just wish it was not... not strictly like gonzo and pepe focused i wish some of the other muppets had bigger roles i do have to say the pepe like almost wedding at the end was pretty so hilarious. funny yeah uh, and, and will arnett's okay he's fine yeah he didn't he didn't really move the needle either way for me like he he was just a means to an end it's probably like the top part of the bottom half of muppets things that i've watched uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. Uh, obviously, we all know I'm a big Disneyland and Disney World guy, and it follows the story of the uh, ride fairly closely. There's quite a few uh, parallels there, okay. and there's a, there's a lot of things that they recreated from the ride in Muppets, so that was, for me, really cool. Um, definitely not as good as Muppets Christmas Carol or Muppets Treasure Island, uh, but I would say, yeah, it's in... It's definitely in top end of that middle tier. Yeah, it's like the Ant Man of the Muppet universe. Yeah, that's a that is a perfect analogy. Um, no music really though. It's kind of a yeah, a little disappointed in that. Like the runtime though was like forty five minutes. 
Yeah, super quick. All right, you want to talk I, uh, What If? Yeah, let's do it. So the season finale of What If, I guess we'll have to go spoilers here, right? There's really no way to... Yeah, it, look, it's been like it's been like three weeks. No, it's yeah, been way so more. Ever, it's been like a month. So if you haven't seen What If, if uh, the animated Marvel Cinematic Universe show on Disney+, Plus, skip ahead probably like two minutes right now, because Banner and I are going to spoil the end of it. So... I guess, Banner, the biggest thing here is this reveals that what if, although they all appeared as one-offs throughout the series, was actually a connected universe, each episode. Still very unclear as to whether this is actually canon to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I tend to think they're going to tie it in somehow because of the voices that they got to return. But I agree. Uh, you know, I've been up and down on this show. Again, at its lowest points, I haven't really hated it. At its highest points, I haven't really been totally in love with it. It's been kind of high-ceiling, low-floor Excuse me, flip that. Low ceiling, high floor. Uh, but what did you think of the way it wrapped up? Um, I liked how we didn't, like, all the other episodes were, when I was watching them, felt like they didn't matter after I was done watching them. I did like how it actually did mean something at the end. Uh, with that being said, eh, it was fine. Um... I still think that there are other storylines in this what if genre or universe that I would rather them expand on more like how they get to uh, like at the end of some of those episodes where they just left us on these cliffhangers. I still want those cliffhangers like the zombie one. I really want yes. there to be another zombie episode. So for them to not visit that back again kind of disappointed me as an overall season. The last episode was fine. It was it was cool. Um, but yeah, it's not one that I would like, it's not like a, a clone wars, uh, something that I would go back and be like, yeah, you really need to watch this. If you want to see something kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Go and watch it. Yeah. I think I agree for the most part. I, I guess for me, like the Ultron being the big bad, like, I don't really feel like he was even introduced to like the second to last episode or whatever they brought him in. So yeah. That kind of felt weird. Um, well, and it kind of felt weird too because he's already been a big bad. I mean, he was he was he was the bad guy in Age of Ultron. So it's why we why aren't we bringing somebody new in? And I guess my other thought process is this concept. I appreciate Marvel's commitment to continuity and tying everything in, but I think this just is an anthology concept. Like yeah, that's what's fun about it. It's like one-offs that aren't actually in canon, and that's why we can just get absolutely zany with them for 30 minutes. One other thing, and I don't know why this is, I think it's just because the writers are not like us. Usually, you correct us, but usually the same quality you get on a film. The way that they wrote Thor in this, like I, so I it was terrible. He just wasn't funny at all. I, and they were. I hated Thor. So I hated the Thor episode. I hated everything about Thor. Hemsworth was giving it everything he had, but just none of him was working. No. I did like what they did with Killmonger, though, and Michael B. Jordan. That was cool. I think that was – I think he was uh, really cool. Um, I liked the Sorcerer Supreme uh, in the last episode, but I did not like Doctor Strange's episode. Yes, I agree about I, that. I didn't feel like he earned the right to be heartbroken, and that's how he you know, becomes more powerful. But – Hey, whatever, he is more powerful. I thought he was really fucking cool in that finale. 
Also, in the last episode, you know the Tony Stark and Gamora scene they cut to where they're with Itri and Tony Stark's in that armor? Yeah. So supposedly there was an episode with them that they just cut from the season is why that seems sort of out of left field. Why would they do that? Great question. But the creators, as I was reading an interview they did with Collider, they said that will be in season two. So we so are like, getting well, a season two. Yes. Okay. But that episode like doesn't make sense now. Like that we've already seen the culmination of it. The only reason, the only way that I can see it or being okay with it is if that is the first episode of the second season and they somehow at the end of that episode tie it back to the finale. I, I don't know if you can, but yeah, I don't really. They, I, don't, they I don't know. I don't have much more to say about it. I mean, yeah, it's been a while since I revisited it, but I was just kind of whelmed by the show over under, you know. Yeah. I'm a little was, spoiled with MCU, I'll be honest. And that yeah, just was kind yeah, of... Yeah, it was fine. It, it just, it, yeah, it's there. Zombies <laughs> was probably my favorite episode of the series. You like that? That noise of a bird brings us to the last part of our show, our Do You Even Lift Bra? segment where we ask you a question and we leave with it and the question as we've been doing since episode 160 what are our top 100 movies of all time that we have ever seen in our lives ever in the history of the universe if you check the link in the description there is a squad blog where we have been updating our top 100 countdown as we go and again these are not an afi top 100 list this is not a snooty sniff your wine and Point your pinky out and tell me what your favorite 100 movies are. These are each of our lists that are personal to us in our top 100 films. So click the description for the squad blog and the updated Google Sheets. You can see where each of us are at in our countdowns. Today, we're each going to count down to our number 87 films. So Geiger is currently at number 90. I am currently at number 89. And Banner is at number 90 as well. So I'll have a few less than them. But... Matt, we'll start with you. Your number 91 favorite film of all time was The Fighter. Mm-hmm. So why don't you do two in a row? What is your number 90 favorite movie ever and then your number 89? So 90, I believe this is on Netflix right now, and it is Spotlight. Fucking great Ooh. film. I can, um, Rachel McAdams, Michael Keaton, The Hulk is in it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, basically about how the Catholic Church have basically been molesting kids since, I don't know, the 50s, 60s. Um. And they uh, this was mainly, though, in Boston because, you know, it's a movie, so it has to take place in Boston. But true story about uh, how um, the newspaper was the Boston Herald. I can't remember what paper uh, it was. Maybe the Globe? I'm not sure. The glo- it was the Globe. Yeah, it was the Globe. Uh, sorry, it was the Globe. And they just kept digging, and then they finally figured out, like, all of these were connected. And whenever a priest went on a leave of absence or left, it was actually because the church found them out, and they just had to move. And very, very interesting on, you know, and I, I you know, I'm not one that – I'm not one that you talk religion with. You know, you probably know more than me, but I never understood why you'd have to take a pledge of celibacy. You know, if, why can't you be religious and get married? You know, no wonder like they uh, I you shouldn't have sex with kids. That's gross. But you got to be able to have sex with something like, come on, let's be yeah. honest. It's just a it human was, nature thing. 
the uh, I also looking at this cast, dude. And I, if I remember right, this cleaned up at the Oscars, right? Yes. Liev Schreiber also in it. Hashtag my saber tooth. Mm-hmm. And then of course John Slattery, who's uh, Howard Stark and yep. uh, is in Mad Men, who's he's just great in everything. That guy is. He's the one who runs the globe, right? John Slattery. Yeah, and Keaton is the head of Spotlight. He's like everyone's boss. Well, no, um, Shriver comes in from Florida to run mm. the globe. And Also, Stanley Tucci is in it, which a lot of MCU. Yeah. And Shriver basically doesn't give a fuck about how Boston and the Catholics are, you know, one, he's like, if it's a story, it's a story, let's run with it. And I can I can get past Mark Ruffalo for some reason always putting his hand in his pockets, even when he's sitting down. I guarantee you that's something. I, I guarantee you that's something you brought. He's like, I think my character would do this. I'm like, whatever, dude, fine. <laughs> he I does it in every fucking scene. I'm like, why does he keep doing this? It makes I no love sense. Ruffalo, and because he seems also like just a nice fucking guy. But in Zodiac, when he insisted that his cop have this obsession with animal crackers, I was like, I can't criticize Jared Leto for being Jared Leto and then just let this slide. It's weird. <laughs> Like, when Pitt does it, it's kind of funny. Like, oh, what if Rusty just eats in every – like, that's – I don't know. Maybe we give him a pass. But on this, like, rough, some actors just do – I'm like, why can't you just act good? Like, why do you have to do these, like, little like things? But Jared Leto in The Little Things, how his character has, like, this weird fucking limp. I'm like, that means nothing to anything. Just stop. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. What if my character limped? What if he was just a guy? Like, there's enough written here. But yeah, Spotlight, great fucking addition. And also, might I just say, because every once in a while, you know, like my uh, number 90, for example, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, so for Matt's to be Spotlight, I think, shows you what's unique about A lot of about similarities in yeah. those films. Don't have time to talk about them all right now. but One's about Catholic priests raping kids, and then uh, the other one is Spotlight. <laughs> all right, Matt, what's your number 89 movie of all time? Troy. Damn, good back-to-back uh, right here. As a big fan of the Iliad and the Odyssey, one thing I am disappointed about in this movie is that it came out too early. If that would have came out five years ago, we'd be getting a sequel in the Odyssey, which is my favorite probably Greek mythology book. It's fucking fantastic. Um, of Odysseus's journey home, however the actor they got to play Odysseus I wasn't a huge fan of. But Eric Bana, what the fuck happened to him? He's fantastic in this movie. Brad Pitt's fantastic. Um, I know it's not historically accurate basically at all. I did a paper on it. There's a lot of – like obviously you know, it wasn't a one-on-one fight between Pitt and Bana. Like that happened in a battle. You know, that was, yeah. <laughs> they, didn't just, they didn't just all stop and just watch. Like it was like a wrestling match and Bruce Buffer was in the center like calling out their weight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know how – you know how Paris shot him in his Achilles tendon, and that's how you get the name and everything like that. A lot of a lot of that was kind of factual, and they had to do it for, um, you know, for the movie, I guess. But how the whole war was started, which is really cool. Like, was it really started over Helen, or was it started over, you know, the the lust of power and land and everything like that? But fantastic movie, man. Even the director's cut. Um, I like to watch just because when he when he just keeps yelling Hector because in the actual book the Iliad Achilles just kept yelling Hector like that's all yeah. he fucking yelled. Um, so in the director's cut that's what he did, which actually 
kind of takes apart from the movie because the dialogue between them when Pitt says there's no pack between lions and men. And one of my favorite quotes he ever had was he said, you won't have eyes tonight. You won't have ears or a tongue, which that actually, if you read uh, the book of Hercules, when Hercules goes to the underworld, he passes this dude and he's like, what was he in the previous life? A beggar? Like, no, that's Hector. He has no eyes, ears or tongue because Achilles like, like cut them all fucking off because he thought he like killed him and stuff. So I love how it all connects. Um, Great fucking movie, man. Orlando Bloom perfectly cast, too, who I'm not really a fan of, but I fucking love this movie. All right, so I got some things that I didn't realize that people at home probably did, but they need to be said. Number one, Rose Byrne in it as, uh, is it Briseis? Is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, she's the one that um, Brad Pitt takes kind of as a slave. She's great in everything. Sean Bean as Odysseus on paper sounds good because he's just like a classic villain. But yeah. for whatever reason, probably not perfect here. And the director of this, Matt. First off, three hours, 16 minutes. Eh. Well, it's Wolf uh, from um, Air Force Gang One. Peterson from Air Force One, yeah, where we made the joke where uh, Gary Oldman <laughs> got the <laughs> phone call from him. And Wolf said, I have a device. And I said, I'm all ears, Wolf. <laughs> Weird to me, I don't know why, maybe just because of Gladiator, but I always thought this was a Ridley Scott movie for some reason. No. And uh, Achilles' cousin um, is the dude from Four Brothers and whatever else. Yeah, let me pull up the... Uh, what the fuck's that one movie Garrett with Black yeah, and... yeah. Also, Brian Cox, hashtag not my striker, is Agamemnon in this. That's the only casting I really don't like because Agamemnon was a, a big character and I thought he was kind of weirdly casted. Like yeah. he could be an older guy, but he can't like I mean not He's have like that thought I guess. Almost. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, this thing cleaned up at the box office too. Four hundred ninety-seven million dollars in two thousand four. Which is for weird because I think a lot of people think this movie long. sucks. Well, for yeah, for a three-hour movie, that's what's incredible to make half a billion. Yeah. Think about how many less showtimes you have of it. A lot of people probably saw it, though, just because Brad Pitt got in, like, better shape than Fight Club. Yeah. And his shirt was off. Uh, All right, Banner, what is your number 80? You're up to 89. Why don't you do 89 and 88? 89 and 88. If you're prepared. If not, one of us can go. All right. 89. Geiger. Which, so sorry, true. by the way, your number 90 was Big Hero 6, just so that people have an idea. Yes. Where it's from. Uh, 89. Geiger, this one's for you. Ocean's Eleven, the <laughs> 1960s one. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great. Wow. No, that's not right. I clicked the wrong one. No. Okay. I've seen oh. them both, but what? I got a spreadsheet situation here no do you need us to stall i'm not editing this so we're gonna have no to we don't need sound. to edit it uh ocean's 11 yeah great fucking movie we were just talking about him so is Brad that Pitt. it no yes. so the 2011 one the 2011 one yes <laughs> okay. i'm sorry i had a i had a spreadsheet malfunction sorry 2001 one i don't know why i said 2011 yeah okay ocean's 11 2001 there we Way go. higher on my list. One of my favorite movies. Yes, it is a fantastic I know. movie. But uh, 89, I think it's just a great heist movie. This is probably one of the first movies that I remember watching and just 
being being like, oh my god, that was so fucking cool how it was already done and over with by the time and how the story was told that I really realized like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm fucked up. I'll say that I think one of the things that's so underrated in these movies, and I think Matt and I just look at these two characters and go, yeah, that's us, is Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn's two characters. <laughs> so <laughs> great. The way they're just constant. I could just watch. I wish to God we would have gotten a movie with just those two guys. But to me, this was like the first time that I was like, oh, that's what an ensemble cast movie is, where it's like, yeah, Danny is like the titular character and kind of the star, but the strength of the movie is really all the support players. Like, Mac and fucking Don Cheadle, you might even forget they're in it, you know? But they absolutely crush. Julia Roberts, Andy Don Garcia Cheadle's is one, right? fucking fantastic, too. Is Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven? I'm not seeing him on the cast list here. Yeah. He's Basher. I thought he was, but... I could tell you the exact scene where he comes in. Because Brad Pitt tends to be a D, like a cop or whatever. Yeah, you're right. There he is. A little bit longer here. Good one, Banner. Uh, I think as far as our commentaries go, is that our biggest one? No. Well, Air Force One, maybe. I think Air Force One. Yeah. It's definitely up there. It's a top top five, which is actually saying quite a bit. We've both. done, what, 200 of them? We've done many, yes. Yeah. All right, Ben, what's your 88? 88, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I okay. fucking loved this movie <laughs> as a kid. What, okay? What are you talking about? Just okay. Who said I, okay? I didn't say okay. I thought somebody said okay. My like feed keeps breaking up, so I. Apologize. I think you just want to fight someone and. Maybe it's a good film. Uh, I think this probably isn't the best. Actually, I know this isn't the best movie of the franchise, but it is my probably my favorite. Uh, love Sean Connery. I love him and Harrison Ford coming back. Um, or not coming back, but just their dynamic in it the whole time. I love that they started fighting the Nazis again. Uh, unlike in Temple of Doom, I fucking hated that one. But just a good fucking movie. Harrison Ford at his best. Uh, River Phoenix, may he rest in peace. This is yep. what uh, he played him in the Young Indiana Jones show too, right? This was kind of the I believe so, yeah. Backdoor pilot to that, I guess you could say. I'm a huge fan of indie. This one is probably my second favorite one. <clears throat> Raiders, of course. Obviously. Thing number one. But great film. Big part of my childhood. Watched it basically on repeat. I had awesome. a I had a poster of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, the one with Sean Connery and Harrison Ford uh, in my bedroom. This one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Dude, the Indiana Jones font is just fucking iconic. So fucking great. Yeah. I want to put that on my resume. Jeff Hornacek. That's how my name's written. Like, we well, didn't get the job, but this looks cool. Yeah. A for effort. <clears throat> All right, my number 88, Banner, you'll love this, X2, X-Men United. That is way higher on my list. <laughs> um, 
despite all the flaws Fox ran into with the X-Men movies, the first two to me are just masterpieces. Um, but this one, of course, I mean, we had some really good superhero sequels in the early 2000s. Like this one obviously came out in 03. I think Spider-Man 2 was 2002, maybe? Somewhere yeah. On there. And both of those are phenomenal. So, I mean, kudos to the superhero genre at this time. This has one of maybe my top 10 favorite movie scenes of all time in the Nightcrawler scene to open up the film. Visually, it was just mind-blowing. And, like, playing the X-Men video game as a kid and watching the animated series was just exactly what I wanted Nightcrawler to look like on screen. But I think the thing I love most about this film is uh, it really lets Magneto kind of take center stage with, like, the Brotherhood and his whole plan. And Wolverine kind of being left in charge of the Professor Xavier's school is just a really cool dynamic, like him mentoring and developing relationships with the young X-Men. I think it just goes to show the reason the X-Men work so much isn't necessarily because all their powers are fucking cool, but it's because the group dynamics of like they're sort of being constantly two generations of them, like a younger group that is being mentored by this older group that also like are so imperfect. Like Wolverine is even thinking I'm the last fucking guy that should be like mentoring the youth, but here I am. <laughs> like, I don't have my own shit together, but I'm going to try and figure it out. Uh, all that stuff just works really well. And then of course I hate to just keep sucking the dick of the scenes of the movie, but where the strike force comes and like invades the X mansion so between, fucking good. Between Colossus and Wolverine in that scene, it's there's just like some absolutely epic action. So I'll go X2 X-Men United is my number 88 film of all time. One of the best parts about X2 is that you kind of alluded to it, Jeff, is that you want like, you know, Magneto is a bad guy. You want him to be a bad guy, but you get where he's coming from and he's not the the real bad guy of the movie so you're it's weird to to be rooting for the bad guy yeah yeah you also under you understand why you're rooting for him and you get it like you empathize with him because of striker magneto's really kind of like an anti-hero in the film yeah although i do have to say the one thing i'm not a huge fan of is the last action set piece at like the striker research base or whatever uh, yeah, when he fights yeah. the chick. Yeah, Lady Deathstrike or whatever. That shit was kind of stupid. But aside from that, the rest of the movie is pretty much flawless to me. All right, Geiger, why don't you close us out with your 88 and 87 movies of all time? So 88 movie, almost famous. Fucking great film. Classic. Uh, especially if you're a rock and roll guy like me and kind of the start of Rolling Stone magazine. This kid, you know, back in the day, you would you'd have like writers just go on the road with like Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. Imagine the stories they could tell. And the bands wanted them there because they're telling stories about the road and shit. And that's what the fans want to hear. And the cooler you are on the road, the more shit you get in Rolling Stone, more people want to buy your albums and everything like that. So, uh, fucking great film, man. And then one of the most iconic scenes when he jumps off the top of the roof onto a pool or, it's been redone by a lot of people. Uh, Kate Hudson was bearable in it, which says a lot because usually I can't fucking stand her. Yeah. But uh, one that I haven't watched in a while, but anytime it comes on, I definitely watch and always kind of uh, that cleaned up at the Oscars too. Like back in that was that's definitely a movie of the late nineties. 
whatever you think about it. Um, I mean, the cast of this, like Zoe Deschanel, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Lee. I think even uh, Jimmy Fallon has a brief role in it. Yeah, J- Jason Lee's fantastic in it. He's like the lead singer. And whenever the band's fighting about to break up and they're on the bus and Tiny Dancer starts playing by Elton John and they all start singing it together and they're like, all right, cool. Let's just fucking <laughs> roll this on. That's a great scene, too. There's a lot of good scenes in this. Uh, Cameron Crowe, who directed it, also did another one of our favorites. My, it definitely is popping up in my list at some point, but uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, dude, Cameron Crowe was so 90s, and then I don't think he's directed a movie since then that I know well, of. Well, he did that movie Aloha in 2015 with Bradley Cooper and uh, Emma Stone, and people were like, it was so bad. People were like, hey, why don't you just take some time off? Let's just not do this anymore. Yeah. have a Take five. And number 87 – Getting some of my baseball movies out of the way. We've done a commentary on this, but Angels in the Outfield. Just I can just close my eyes and see that VHS. You know, one of those – remember the Disney VHSs that almost had like a cushion around it? Like it Bro, was like a yep. foamy. Of course. Yeah, they were like bulletproof. <laughs> so I can just see that on my mantle, and I'd, I'd pick that movie a lot and fucking watch it. I remember when I took my first airplane trip to Colorado – and my parents said I could bring one movie because we were staying at my dad's cousin's house, and I watched that, like, every fucking night. <laughs> See, <laughs> that, to me, that's what this list is about. Like, what, yeah. is, what is the memory that you have tied to the movie? You I, know? I strictly remember in their living room watching it and pretending to jump over their couch like it was a center field wall and catch a fly ball and shit. And they were, like, looking at me, and my mom was like, oh, this is yeah. just what he does. <laughs> like an angel was, like, carrying you yeah. over the couch. <laughs> But God, it's such a great – it's a great feel-good movie, man. A great Disney movie that is actually, when you're older, turns into actually a pretty good baseball movie. So that's too and bad. the score in it is iconic. Major yeah. League ballparks still play it when they hit a home run. Yeah. You know? Good addition. And, of course, our commentary on that – I mean, we probably shit on JP a little too much, but his unwavering belief that a team can come back – Regardless of who's fresh in the bullpen, it's something we can all. We need him and Randy Quaid from Major League Two setting beside each other. God, the, the disagreements <laughs> they would have. I think uh, JP would start drinking after like two innings if he had to sit next to him. You're eight. How did you get that beer? <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. I'm an orphan, so they just let me have it. All right, good shit today, Geiger. Uh, Banner, what is your number 87? movie of all time number 87 hold on let me pull it back up is oceans 11 1960 no actually it is star wars the clone wars this is the animated one wow. that kicked off wow. the uh kicked off the show it's a really good this, fucking movie with guys. this being on your list of 87 you must have a lot more star wars movies yeah, no, it's loaded up with Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, don't worry. Now, uh, I I had no problem with this movie. It was fun. Uh, but you obviously finished The Clone Wars. I'm in season two. Does finishing the show help this movie a lot? Uh, I think so. I think you you have a better appreciation for it and uh, the, re- the relationship that Obi-Wan and Anakin have. Um, I think that's something, and I know Geiger, oh, I have to watch fucking eight seasons of a show to understand <laughs> a movie. Yeah, I get it. Like, it fucking sucks. But you understand Revenge of the Sith so much more and why Anakin feels so betrayed uh, in it. And Ahsoka, this is, I, I could be wrong. 
This was yep, like the this, first time she was really like front and center, right? Yeah. This is this is when uh she is a Padawan, technically not assigned to a master yet. She technically gets assigned to uh Anakin in the I believe it's in the first episode. So this takes place before the show, right? Uh for all intents and purposes, yes. They kind of jumped around the first couple of seasons a little bit and they like put episodes in that were before this and after this to kind of bookend it. So you, ex- it makes sense why they're fighting there, but yes, this is before the majority of this show. Cause I was say, I'm halfway through season two of the show and she's been his Padawan for at least a season, it, a season. It, of it, right? Yeah, she was, she was, it was either like the very end of the movie or the first episode of the show. He, she becomes his Padawan. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, my last one to close us out, my number 87 movie of all time, is a pretty recent one. It is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Ooh, from 2018, is... a movie that I just was not that excited for. I was like, all right, animation kind of looks cool, but whatever. Uh, by Lord Miller. I guess just Phil Lord, excuse me, looking at this. Um, but this one blew me away. It was a huge surprise that year. I think everybody started raving it about it. It was fucking great. And um, the voice cast, obviously, is awesome. But I think more so than anything, like, finally got me open to the idea of the multiverse coming into the MCU. Just because I saw it was executed so well here. I always thought it was something that works really well in the comics. But just continuity-wise, would get so convoluted and messy. And, like, it's just such a heavy fucking thing to try to explain that I said, I really hope the movies never try to do it. But this was pulled off perfectly. And uh, Jake Johnson is, like, the fat, kind of, like, retired Peter Parker who Mary Jane dumped and he, like, can't really fit into his spandex anymore. (laughs) Wish we would have got a little bit more Chris Pine. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, his character obviously has an important role in the film, but yeah, that was, and then of course Oscar Isaac at the end, yeah, um, who could be coming in in a future installment, we don't know, and then um, Mahershala Ali, who's awesome in it. You know, I'm looking at this list now. Zoe Kravitz is Mary Jane. I didn't know that at the time. I don't think I did either. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, great fucking movie. And visually, again, to to do the Millers versus the Machines, I don't want to say copied this because Lord was involved in that movie as well. But anytime you can show me an animation style that I haven't really seen in this day and age, uh, it's pretty impressive. And that's what this movie was able to pull off, which wouldn't have gotten it onto this list if the story and execution wasn't so great also. So that will close us out for today. Before we leave the people for episode 165, what are our parting words of wisdom? Matt Geiger, we'll go to you first. Just Disney should have just had the fat kid from Jojo Rabbit do like a mystery Christmas thing where he was trying to figure out who Santa Claus was or something. Bingo. Right there. That's I just came up with that. That's a better fucking story than just trying to redo Home Alone. Or like shit. He's almost even a like... Harriet the Spy type person. He's like, this year I'm going to find out who Santa is. There you go. Or let's even go like well into the like cliches. He's trying to get his fucking parents back together for Christmas. I don't know. Or his dad left and he thinks his dad's Santa and he's trying to figure it out or asking his dad to be Santa or some fucking stupid like that. It'd be way better. 
We've talked about like the algorithm streaming services have to just make movies. Just pick one of those. I don't need you to slap Home Alone on it and try and lure me in. Or just play Home Alone. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. We should do a Home Alone 2 commentary this year. I don't know how we haven't yet. Yeah. Probably because the first one was such a shit show. Well, we've done it twice. It's in like the first one, the original recording is like in the Lost Archives. It's like yeah. that Beatles album where if you play it backwards, it says Paul is dead. All right, Banner, what are your closing thoughts? Guys, just pull over for emergency vehicles. We had a situation this weekend. We weren't in it, but we were on the road. Emergency vehicles were coming up behind us. Obviously, I got over because it's Good just job. the it's just the right thing to do. People just weren't getting over. Now I was it's a dick move, but okay, I'm okay with it. The motorcycle that tailgated the ambulance kept going. It's a dick move, but they pulled over and let the ambulance go first. So look, it's all you gotta do. I'm glad you did that because if it got in the news that Brian Banner of the Bro 4 Squad preaches to pull over for emergency vehicles, but he himself doesn't, that would have been a black eye on the show. I would never do that. So thank you. Thank you for making the business decision to pull the car <laughs> over. All that I'll leave the people with is I hope we don't have a Black Friday death this year. Uh, for nothing else, because like Geiger said, just shop online. There's no need to one in purple TV. You definitely had your eyes on it first, and they think that it's fucking theirs. That's a different conversation. But don't do it in the store. Corner them in the parking lot where their security cameras can't pick you up. For the mad scientist, Brian Banner, and our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro4 Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. You can follow us on Twitter at Bro4 Squad. If you type in Bro Force. Squad as three separate words in Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere else you find your podcasts, we will come up there. And you can find everything we do in our squad blog on our website, bro4squad.com. Till next time, Mele Kalikimaka. You can say that before Thanksgiving because it's not like technically Merry Christmas, you know? Yeah.